0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into the podcast that we like to call From the Podium, where you hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. On Tuesday, we heard from Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach after their 10-pick 2022 draft class. Here's the Chiefs General Manager. All right, excited to um, recap a fun weekend for us. Um, just really quickly want to thank uh, uh, you know the support staff here, certainly Clark and Andy and Mark for all their support and, and, and trusting in, in me and my staff. Um, I want to thank the coaches. I know that they spend a lot of time when they get back from the last game of the season they'll come back and they have a lot of stuff on their plate in regards to putting together the practice plans for the OTAs and then the training camp coming up. So them taking time out of their day to, to meet with us and, and to go over these prospects. Uh, and then lastly, our, our training staff, uh, same deal where they're in there uh, day in and day out working on, 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 players on our roster that need rehab, but uh, for those guys to take time out of their day and to travel to Indy and get the notes and, and to continue to update us as, um, As the process goes along with the pro days, they've been obviously a huge, huge help in this. And then lastly, uh, my staff, they have just been amazing all season with the work they've done uh, coming into this process with a lot of draft picks, uh, a lot of different scenarios. Uh, Guys were just amazing and um, can't thank them enough. Uh, So with that, um, we'll open up for questions. Let's go first to Herbie Teope. Go Herbie. Hey, Brett, good morning. It's still morning. Good morning. Hope you got hey. some rest after the long weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here and hey, there, Brad, I'll, i have I'll catch up this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, I'll have two questions here. Brett, I'm going to take you back to the last offseason. Um, you had joked uh, that you had determined by halftime of the Super Bowl that you wanted to upgrade the offensive line. With, with seven defensive picks out of your ten picks in this year, when did you know that you had to focus on defense? I mean, I, I, listen, I think it was always at the forefront. I don't know if it was um, as a dramatic of a mindset like what we experienced in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, that was just kind of a perfect storm of guys that we had that had played a lot of football for us, in particular the tackle position that got hurt, um, one that ended up retiring. And, and we were just, we got really old really quick. And, and that was um, a situation where when you combine that with, you know, the best player in the league and a franchise quarterback. I mean, that's kind of, let's go, let's go. This obviously, I mean, you know, we have to have balance on both sides of the football and we wanted to, you know, upgrade um, the youth, the talent, and the depth on the defensive side. You know, we also did some stuff offensively in free agency. You know, we brought in Juju, and we brought in MVS and we brought in Rojo and we were able to re-sign Henny and, and and Wiley. So, um, you know, I think we look at things um, on both ends, both the draft and free agency and, and certainly the draft was geared more toward defense, and I think it's a combination of of us wanting to certainly get better and get deeper and younger. Um, but, you know, had we not been able to sign the Schusters and the MVSs and the Rojos, I mean, maybe it, it deviates a little, but I think it's just a combination of both processes. Um, so lastly here, Brett, Lonnie Johnson betrayed last night. Why him? Um, was he someone that you, you had focused on before the draft or this just became available after the draft? Well, I think it came up, um, you know, I think that there was a little bit of dialogue during the trade deadline. Um, trade deadlines are tricky because when you're not with a team in the off season uh, during training camp and, you know, the playbook and just that cohesive um, that cohesiveness is, is not there. It's, it's a little bit tricky. Melvin Ingram was a little bit different because he had played so long in the league and, and he's a guy that, you, you know, I think was a little bit of an outlier. Sometimes those guys are. So I think it kind of picked up there. And then once the draft ended, you know, we had just stayed in contact and and look, we've been in contact with these teams before the draft. So we always have the initial phone call, which is let us know what you're thinking of doing early on, moving up or moving down. And then as the draft goes on, uh, let us know if there's any players that, you know, you may be willing to move for either a pick um, this year or next year, what have you. So, um we just kind of make a note of all those conversations and he was a guy that um you know his name has got his name had gotten brought up and and we did have some extensive experience with him I mean coach house was here we went through the process with Lonnie coming out I mean he was with him at Kentucky and then obviously Justin played with him in Houston so we were able to um you know talk to both people and and you know I think uh Lonnie uh was in a situation where he was bounced around from corner to safety back to corner, back to safety. And I, I just say, Hey, look, you know, we're pretty good here at safety and between Justin and Juan and now Brian cook and beyond Bush, you know, we're good. And, you know, we have some corners we like, um, but we also like big, long press corners. We know he can press, we know he's physical. And I think he'll come in here and compete. And, and like I said, I, you know, we feel good in, in regards to what we have in, in, in print and, and Snead and, um, Fenton's a guy that obviously we're high on and we're very confident in. I mean, he's going to go, he, he's going through a little bit of a rehab now. So hopefully we get him for the start of training camp. But um, I think from what we did at the end of the draft to the late round picks, mid, um, you know, I think we pulled the trigger there in the mid rounds and then a couple late round corners plus Lonnie. I think we'll have a ton of competition now for those three, four, five spots. Go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam.
1: Hey, Brett, um, just wanted to ask you about Justin Ross. Um, what uh, Can you give us an update on where he is medically and how much you uh, expect from him on the field uh, this weekend and during OTAs mini minicamp, and then once camp starts, and, and what are your expectations for him once the season begins? And, Brett, I'll have a second question as well.
0: Yeah, I think, well, with Justin, everyone kind of knows the story. Um, he's uh, He's certainly a really talented individual that, had gone through his share of injuries at Clemson. And, uh, you know, one thing, if we kind of go back to last year and the trace Smith set up, I mean, I, have always said that our docs are um, on the more conservative side and, you know, we spent a lot of time and I know um, our docs at, at KU spent a lot of time uh, talking to the experts that, that dealt with Justin and, you know, he's cleared. And um, I think re- really, I, I think when you take away the, the, the next situation and again, our docs did a great job of, um, exhausting all the information. And and I think for me, it's a little easier on how I operate. Uh, I know how good our our medical staff is both Rick and his crew and the docs we have at KU that if they tell me, yes, I I feel good. If they tell me, no, I, I, I don't try to, um, become a doctor all of a sudden and and try to say, well, this team said this and that, no, our docs say good, we're good. And, and Rick and his staff said they're good. Um, I think one of the things that popped up was a foot and, and, and so that hindered him late in the season and then I think you know he really didn't have time to test and train. I think so. I think it was a combination of a lot of things why he fell, and and obviously uh, most of it had to do with you know a couple seasons ago with the, with the neck. But I think then you throw in the foot and um, not having time to test. Uh, but listen, I know his agent very well, Tori Dandy. It was Sammy Watkins' agent, and we stayed in touch um, as the draft went on, and then when the draft ended, he was just kind of going through some different options, and we just stayed in touch, um, and then. Yesterday, we just, um, we connected again, and he had a chance to just, you know, review all the, the offers in the landscape of, of where everything was, and and um, he decided to come here. So, as far as expectations, I mean, it's like a lot of these guys. I mean, whether you're a first-round pick or second-round pick, I mean, it's you got to come in here and learn the playbook, and you have to have the confidence in the coaching staff to execute your assignment. You have to have the confidence in Pat, uh, you know, for him to trust you to execute your assignment. And if he can do that, I mean, I think talent-wise, as long as he stays healthy, he'll have a shot. But it'll just come down to him and and how, you know, he handles uh, the playbooks and being moved around and, and, you know, staying healthy and and being diligent in regards to um, looking ahead and and preventative things that he can do for his body. But, I mean, there's a lot of these guys that um, are are really in the same boat in that when you come in here, it's it's a combination of talent, uh, being smart, um, staying on top of the training. And that means when you're away from the facility too. So like a lot of these young guys, um, if he does those things, given the talent he has, I mean, he should be able to come here and, and potentially contribute. But, um, I think that's the beauty of a 90 man roster, um, where guys get to come in and, and we always felt like we'll, we'll keep the best players and it doesn't matter where your drafted or where you were selected. I mean, if, if you guys are, if that individual is going to come in, in here and, and earn a spot in the team, um, you know, we'll be good with that, but I just think it'll be um, a very interesting competition um, for only five or six spots. And I think we have a lot of talent there.
1: Okay. All right. Thanks for that. And also, um, Hey, I know you still could add a, a guy or two or three before camp starts. Uh, I know you, you made the move with Melvin Ingram yesterday. He's obviously one guy you have an eye on, but, but largely your roster is set here now. Are you, are you feeling pretty good? Is this, is this group good enough to get you guys to where you want to go? Well, feel- Phil
0: pretty good about the work we did in the off season. I mean, we had a lot of things that we had to accomplish and, you know, I, I feel good about our approach. I feel good about um, the plan we had. I mean, it was tricky, especially when the receiver market went crazy and, you know, proud of my group for it, being able to just adapt and adjust. And I think we did that. And um, so I'm, you know, I feel good about um, where we were from the Cincinnati game, through free agency and through this draft, I feel really good and I'm really excited about um, not just the talent that we add to the team, but I think you know the quantity. I think we added a lot of good talent. Um, but I don't know if you ever really feel confident, and you see it year in and year out. I mean, so many. I mean, so much revolves around some you know injury luck and staying healthy. And um, I don't think a lot of teams would have interviewed the Bengals and said, "Do you feel good that you guys can compete for a Super Bowl?" and I don't know how many people would have believed them, but I mean, that's why this league is so great. I mean, paper, I mean, feel good on paper, yeah, but there's so many things that can happen. Um, injuries is one, how these young guys develop, how quickly they develop. Um, we've got a young roster. Um, and I remember going back in 19, we made all those moves and ended up winning the Super Bowl, started off slow on the defense. You know, I mean, there could be some a transitional period here with these guys too. I mean, where you're talking about a rookie corner and a rookie linebacker, rookie defensive end, a safety that we brought in um, from Houston. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts here. So, I mean, it looks good on paper, but there's a ton of work that has to be done. And this is the first part, these OTAs um, getting everybody on the same page, but Um, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think we have the guys and I think we have the wiring, um, to be really good. Um, how that all plays out is, you know, remains to be seen, but I think, you know, given our track record, given our coaching staff and given, um, given the fact that we have 15, I I feel, you know, optimistic I'll say. Next to Pete Sweeney. Go Pete. Hey, Brad, thank you for doing this. I have a question about the secondary, but very quickly, the Fenton rehab that you referenced, is that just like a back cleanup? I think at a shoulder, you know, I'm sure we're. Rick, we'll talk about that either after OTAs or before. Um, you know, it's it's something that I think he'll be ready for training camp. But you know, we certainly want to get some guys out here and be ready to roll and 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 um, be in position to kind of know what we have. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then you guys spent the the three picks on on defensive backs. The fourth rounder on, on Joshua Williams. What did you like uh, about Williams, first cornerback in the fourth round since since Snead? And then just as a whole you guys threw a lot at defensive backs including the trade
1: uh, is that just a strategy of like let's get a lot of guys in camp and and sort of see see what sticks with you know Dave Merritt and, and Steve Spagnolo and, and and rounding out that room
0: yeah um probably a combination um of all those um ideas uh, going back to um, the Williams kid that we took in the fourth, I think um, it, the small school guys are always a little tricky, obviously, because of the level of competition. One of the things that stood out with him was um, first, you know, the um, the pro day and, and, and the combine works and how he looked moving in his time and testing. And I think when you go back to the senior bowl, it's always encouraging to see a guy struggle. I think he struggled early on and he looked like he didn't belong there. But as the week went on, you saw that you know, you saw that grit and you saw that toughness play out where it's easy for a small school guy to come in there and, and not have success early on. And then to just kind of go in the tank where the old hamstring sore, calf sore, we're good. Uh, and then you get the agent and get all the excuses of, you know, but it, it wasn't like that. I mean, he struggled early on and he kept fighting and battling. And then we brought him in for an in-house interview and um, a really smart individual and um, understood a great deal of our playbook. Just think that this is a kid that like like you said, Pete, um when Dave gets his hands around these guys and Steve gets to work with him that we think, you know, it may take some time, but I mean he's a big corner. Um he's he's smart, uh, he's athletic, he's got size and some of those things you, you know, the size and length you can't you can't coach. So um we just think that he's got a real shot. Um and like I said, you know, we kind of feel real good about Trent, obviously. And then we think with this kid, how he's wired, how he kind of progressed over the um you know, the spring season here with the evaluation processes and then meeting him in person, we felt good about him. And then, you know, the guys that we took late are guys that, you know, it's going to be really hard when you draft two corners. Okay. So as a GM, you know how this works. When you call agents, the first thing they do is they look at who you drafted, right? So when you draft two corners, it's hard to come back and, and get, you know, it's, You might get a guy or two, but it's hard to get a a bunch of guys when you just drafted two corners um, and you have some guys coming back like Fenton and like Snead. So we just felt like it was going to be hard. We we had to throw more numbers at them at that position. And given the fact that we just drafted two corners, it could be not even so much getting outbid by teams for guys. It just could be that they may go to teams that didn't draft any corners and only drafted one. So. We just thought it made sense for, um, to throw some additional numbers at it. And we like both players, and we think both players we drafted late have a ton of upside. Let's go next to Aaron Labs. Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, Brett. Appreciate you doing this. I have two questions like everyone else. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with Melvin's tender. How long did you know that you wanted to utilize that strategy, and maybe do you
1: have a hunch on which way he's leaning? Oh,
0: well, that's something um, our cap guys, uh, Brent tells and Chris, Ray do a great job of. It was an idea – it was an idea or concept that we talked about, I would say, maybe a week or two before the draft, um, just as a possibility. And then we decided to um, to do that. Um, you know, as far as where he stands, it's, it's always a little bit different and unique with these veteran guys. I mean, Melvin's a guy that he's played a lot of football. He's accomplished a lot. And, um, you know, I don't think he's in a rush. And we knew that when the free agency period started, that he wouldn't be in a rush, that he would take his time. Uh, if it made sense for him, um, he would do something um we've been in contact with his agent um if if there was something that made sense for us we we would definitely want him back and i think what this ufa tender does it it allows us um the ability to communicate and not have either you know either him or his agent do something without us um being in the mix and i think that's what we wanted you know we don't know where this is going to go um i can say that we would love to have him back and it would make sense for us but Uh, regardless, I think now it it at least allows us um, a chance to have dialogue with them before they decide to do anything, if they decide to do something somewhere else.
1: And then your right tackle situation, do you see Darian uh, Kennard factoring in there? Uh, Do you have any uh, hunch on where that's
0: going to go? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, and that's our plan when we drafted him. Um, You know, there's been a lot of talk as, you know, is he a, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? And Um, you know, I think we feel confident they can play guard, but when you're talking about a guy that has logged a ton of starts at right tackle, um, you know, there's some cleanup work that he needs to do. We have a great coaching staff. We have a great, um, group of guys in that room that are really experienced. And, um, but I think, you know, anytime you can go and play right tackle successfully at an SEC level, um, more often than not, that'll translate to the pro level. Now it'll be a jump just like all these colleges are, um, when you're moving from, you know um moving up to the NFL so it's not like it's going to be easier but i think if there's one conference that gives you a sense of uh sense of hope and you know a sense of encouragement is you know if you can line up at right tackle and, and i think we all saw that georgia defensive line last year if you can line up and play against defensive fronts uh of that caliber i mean you're certainly going to have a shot again it doesn't mean it's going to be easy and it might be rough at the beginning but i think he's i certainly think he's athletic enough he's certainly long enough and we love his length um and you know Orlando Brown, people thought he wasn't athletic to play tackle. But I think when you have size, length, and you're wired the right way, if you put those guys around the right coaching, I think they can become very successful. And I think that's kind of where we're going with um, with Darren.
1: Last two, we'll go Surin and then Matt. Go ahead, Surin. And and Brett, I'll have a follow-up uh, on the same subject of the defensive line. I know your comments, uh, I can't remember if it was either right at the end of the season or, or from the combine you said something to the effect of, "Hey, last year we really focused on the offensive line. We believe in winning in the line of scrimmage." And you talked about the defensive line. It felt maybe like, you know, and, and maybe there was kind of a message that we're going to have that same kind of overhaul that we had on the on the offensive line. You, you've certainly, you know, worked on it. It hasn't been that same kind of transition. Would would you say that, you know, opportunities just haven't presented themselves, or it's still a work in progress as far as maybe adding more pieces to the defensive line? And, and again, I'll, I'll have a follow up. Yeah, I
0: think that follows the same. Um, probably the same narrative as, um, so I think uh, to your question, Saran, it, it's more of you know how the free agency evolves and how the the draft evolves, but it's on the um the same narrative as you know we don't value corners high. Well, we do. It's just that it doesn't work out. Some you know sometimes um, we're picking late or we don't have money in free agency or you know, a few guys that maybe other people like they're off our board for either character or mental. And then, you know, the other guys are gone. And so I think that was very similar with the D line. In fact, I remember going through my final board review with Clark and I told him, I said, the one position that this draft was very lean in was the interior defensive line. You had some shots there early in the middle, but it wasn't like some of these corners and linebackers and receivers late. I think from a number standpoint, I just, it didn't, it didn't add up for us. And so when we were picking, there were some defense alignment on the board, but whether it was corner or, um, you know, defensive end or safety, um, we just had higher grades than those guys. So it was really just, um, you know, a a quantity thing. Um, I think we're always going to look, and I think certainly my track record shows, you know, we always dump resources at the the front, you know, DN, DT. I mean, we're always looking at that. And, you know, I think that's – we actually talked about that when we did the Stallings kid um, right before the draft started. Like, man, this interior defensive line is – I mean, there's not a ton of numbers here, and, and we do like the numbers at the end. We're going to try to take a shot out of corner early, but there's a, a good shot we might get shut out here. And I think it's just from a sure volume standpoint.
1: Uh, and then free agency. I mean, do, do you think – I know Melvin Ingram, you've, you've, you've got the tag there, right? That, that has to play out. But do you think you have, one, the cap space, the resources, everything you need? If, if, and, and do you think there are opportunities out there to still try to uh, add to the defensive line beyond Melvin Ingram?
0: Well, I think you know. I, I think that you know we'll be smart, and um, I think we've approached this offseason um, with a plan, and we, we've tried to remain smart in regards to thinking about the next few years. Um, you know, we would love to have Melvin back, and I think we're in a position to do something along those lines. Um, we're also hopefully we'll pick up the Orlando Brown talk, and and depending on how that goes um, and how it's structured, it, it may allow. Um, for us to do something else or something that we're not thinking of at this point. But I think, I think we're in a position to do something small. And I think if it makes sense, we would do it. Um, I also think that in the next few weeks here, the Orlando Brown contract stuff will pick up and, and how that turns out, um, you know, may guide us in, in another direction um, in regards to what we can add before the season. And, and it's, listen, it's still a long off season. And, and like I said, um, you know, now when you have these drafts and all these players added. You're going to have some counter moves. So teams will start cutting players, and then um, they may have drafted uh, a player or two at a position they weren't thinking of. Now, all of a sudden, they have a veteran there that maybe they can move on from, or maybe they'll listen to. So uh, I think once you get through these rookie mini camps and these OTA periods, talk will start to pick up again, and 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 some teams, you know, may call about some certain players. I think the good thing for us is that we have some flexibility here. We're not like, oh, we can't do anything. We're stuck. Um, you know, we we have picks next year, and we have. Um, you know, two threes and two fours next year, and you know, I think we have some some money now, and and depending on how Orlando plays out, we may have, um, you know, some additional resources depending on how all that is laid out. So I think we always strive to have some flexibility and do what's best for the team. And we're not going to just make a move to make a move. I think you know we've shown enough discipline over the years, and and that you know, um, I know we're, we're aggressive, but I think we've shown that we can just be discipline and let things play out but I think more than anything as long as you have flexibility going into any season um I think you're you're in a really good position so we'll we'll certainly take calls and listen and see what's out there and we'll go last to Matt Derrick go ahead Matt hey Brett you
1: mentioned having some picks next year by my count you've got 10 right now and with the draft in Kansas City, I know how don't know how much it's going to affect you since you're going to be in the war room the entire time. But mm-hmm. what's the excitement level for next year? And and has there been a conscious decision to, you know, not get involved with moving picks for next year because you want to have picks when the draft's in KC?
0: Well, we're certainly extremely excited about uh, the draft next year. Um, we we talked about um, – actually, it was Clark's idea. He mentioned that we should maybe look into – getting a room over at union station and kind of making that our makeshift dra- draft room. So we can be there and experience um, what we believe is just going to be a tremendous event. Uh, yes. Uh, the only thing that Clark told me was you can't trade next year one. We, we got, we got to have a one other than that, he lets me do what I want to do, but he, he joked a few times before the draft. Now we got to have a one next year. So I, I, you know, I certainly um, I went in with that mindset that I, I, I couldn't move the one. Now I did remind him, I said, I get it. I said, but you do know that Vegas is not using a one or two, so um, you know I had to at least throw that line out there that um, it's it's just been done this year. So I, you know, but um, but look, I you know I think that where we are, and I think what we did this off season and um, taking a step back knowing that we have a lot of good players and we have a lot of high price players in this team, but also knowing that, you know, our staff does a really good job of evaluating talent. Our coaching staff does a really good job at developing talent. Um, when you can have that amount of picks um, and really put together a solid plan and stick to it, you, you know, we're going to turn out some good players here. And, and I think, you know, we're going to be looking forward um, to using all those picks next year, the one, the two, the two threes and two fours, and hopefully add um, another great class like we did, you know, last year and this year. Brent, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks, guys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters.